0: Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. Hey, We have a very lively audience today. My name is Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Rochero, the chef in the hat. I'm a local restaurateur who has uh, several businesses. If you go to TomDouglas.com, you can find them all, including how to get tickets to our show, because look at all these happy faces. They're all getting some uh, Lola breakfast this morning. Uh, we are here at the beautiful Hotel Andra in downtown Seattle, 4th and Virginia, up on the second floor. Come visit us sometimes. It's really fun. It's one of the best check places our, to go and learn how to cook. I yeah, can tell you that. Check out our class schedules and all the fun stuff that we do here. And God, our corporate gigs—we've we've been doing so many. People are really heading back to the office a little bit. Seems like to me, or at least reacquainting themselves with their coworkers. <laughs> and he's back in the kitchen, and uh, we're going to. Uh, Bring to you a very large show. We've got lots of uh, topics today, including peak of the season, rainbow chard. And, Terry, I, I can't tell you how many times I've made chard here at a class where I've taken the leaves off. So everyone knows how to take the leaves off, right? And then I roast the stems, and right. people are like, what are you doing? So uh, you're going to find out what to do, how to make, uh, how to make more out of your money. <laughs> it's Ramadan from April 2nd to May 1st when the Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset. We're going to talk. They don't fast for a month. Yes, Tom. They fast for a month? So what are you allowed to eat? Well, I guess we're going to find that out. Save it for the second. (laughs) Shashuka is all the rage. I was thinking it was like three days or something, but I'm just wrong. Uh, Shashuka is all the rage at Lola and beyond. It's it's on every menu, everywhere. What? Sachuka. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Uh, uh, Executive chef Elizabeth Kenyon visits. She's uh, running one of the hottest joints in town. Uh, which I've been to, and you just went to, right? The I Ruby just bar. went,
1: like, literally. This was funny, because so Pam funny. sends me the, the, the show, like he does every week. And I go, okay, what are we doing this week? I go, Rupi? I literally just went there. I've been Wednesday telling you night. for
0: months to go there.
1: I know. it's really It was really delicious. And the, the place looks sensational, that little patio. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, no. Keep it
0: for the segment, Tom. <laughs> God. Have you noticed that there seems to be an endless amount of crunchy breading materials out yes. in, the, in the world that people are willing to sacrifice their integrity to put on a Dorito or like I, a crushed Dorito on the I house? saw that
1: for the first time the other day, a Dorito um, crumb to put around something, and I was like, now why would you want to do this to your food?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting, I think, and also I'm just going to rail against it because it's just not my thing. Oh. And it goes, you know, it's like it started with cornflakes and cornflakes flakes are plain, kind of unsweetened. So it made a little bit more sense to me, but I don't know. I know, don't even, like, start getting online and and yelling at me. Yes, do. I know I'm in the minority, but somebody has to have some food integrity, and it's always me, right, because. (laughs) Oh, my God. Lastly, we're (laughs) going to go that way today. (laughs) Lastly, we're going to play Rub With Love, Tasty Trivia. My goldfish (laughs) are in bacon fat. My my goldfish are delicious. (laughs)
1: Lots of it.
0: <laughs> uh, getting back to a Rub with Love tasty trivia challenge. Uh, we're going oh, to wrap up the show. Did we have a revolt last week when we didn't do the trivia challenge? No, they loved looking into
2: your personalities deeply. Did we oh. get one email
0: that said that? No. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. First, uh, let's talk taste of the week. Uh, Terry, you went to the Rupee Bar.
1: That's right. And I have the menu right here, and
0: I circled the four items and I ate. <laughs> There's only 12 items on the menu, and they're all about the size of my little finger. Why didn't
1: you just order all of them? Well, there was th- I said what I hate. There was three of us, so we, oh, okay. we went through the menu. Um, highlights, the naan and the, um, the yeah. dal is really, really, really well made. Yeah. I mean, it's authentic. I've been to India once in my life, and um, it really, really tasted delicious. Beautifully made, yellow lentil and um, naan, and the naan is really... Perfectly made. I mean, none is not something you can make in your own oven at home, you know, and unless it's already pre-made. Pre-made, I mean. So it's it's a difficult, you know, if, if you don't have the oven to make it. But when you test it fresh, and I guess they have an oven back there.
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah, it's a tiny little kitchen. They're really tiny restaurant. Cocktails, right? Did you have a cocktail?
1: Oh yeah, I yeah. had the Taj Mahal. Oh, look at
0: you. Oh yeah, I
1: did. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm making those eyes because I had the Taj Mahal, and I felt it was a little bit sweet. So the bartender came and he said, uh, how did you like it? I'm like, I like it. Can you make a little less syrup in it? And he's like, sure, no problem. And he made it, and it was fantastic.
0: So he remade
1: it for you? No, no, no. He made another one. Oh, I drank the first one, oh, even though it was it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't let that stuff go bad. Oh. No. <laughs> a pig like that. A pig like this, you got to eat all at once. Exactly. No, it was, it was really delicious. Uh, one thing that was stunning is the look of the restaurant. is really cute. Very nicely thought of and very well decorated and designed. And the outside patio, that's probably the only patio I've seen in Seattle that has a fire in the middle of the patio. Mm-hmm. Like a really beautifully made wood-carved or wood-built kind of fire in the middle of the patio outside. Who's ever heard of that? I was like, you could put three tables here. <laughs> the first thing I thought about right. was get rid of the fire, put three tables. <laughs> but no, it was, it was was. I would recommend definitely if you have a little – um, you know, feel for Indian food. Just please go there, and um, they do a great job. They put their own well, twist.
0: She, she's going to be on the show today, so
1: yeah, and you, uh, you we'll can... hear more about it. But another another pearl that I like of that dinner was the mutton rolls. They have a mutton rolls that's mm-hmm. I, I thought that was too. really cool. Yeah,
0: my taste of the week uh, last night. We were doing a benefit dinner for Make a Wish, which oh, yeah. is uh, uh, something that I know you have done many of. I was relating a story to a young man who I met him when he was 10 years old. They literally brought him in an ambulance from children's hospital because uh, his wish was to meet a chef and to work in a kitchen. Uh, so he was 10 or 12 years, 11 maybe years old and came and he was blown up like a balloon, all the drugs that he was on. And he was, I, I don't remember what his illness was, but I don't think there was a ton of expectation that he was going to see another birthday. Uh, and, we did the whole thing he spent the day with sean in the kitchen at the palace and i met him and we chatted blah 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 nice to say however many years later his mother says uh, or uh, his mother walks up to me and says do you remember me blah 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 and i said well i remember yeah how's your son doing you you know you ask the question it's like how's your son doing because you don't you don't think that he's there anymore and oh he's a chef in walla walla (laughs) and whoa isn't that cool Good news. That's very I cool. I think this is about 20 years ago now, if I had to guess, maybe 18 or 20. So I think he's in his 30s and still cooking around the Northwest, I believe. So I'm, I'm not going to share his name because I don't remember it. <laughs> but um, at the same time, last night, uh, I was doing, the, as we do annually, the benefit for the people that bought our dinner, Serious Pie Pizza Making Class at, um, uh, at Serious Pie, the old Virginia space, mm-hmm. Uh, we only had eight people show up out of the, I think, uh, 18 or 20 that uh, we had given. And uh, we all made pizza together, shared stories. And I, I know I'm getting around to my taste of the week. Uh, we were eating some of the mozzarella just by itself that we use on our pizza now. And it's from Ferndale Creamery or Farmstead oh, yeah. Creamery up in the Ferndale area by up by Bellingham. Yeah. It's really good, and it's available in all of our stores. And we sometimes we get so caught up in buying stuff from Italy or this or that that we forget to try something local, especially in a, something like a mozzarella. Mm-hmm. Or we just buy the commercial stuff out of Wisconsin. Or, right, you know. right. Uh, the Ferndale is—it's totally worth supporting. I think it's a delicious little mozzarella. And um, he makes a good smoky Scarmosa also. I
1: remember when he
0: came on the show yeah. and he brought that. I was um, like, I love it, Scarmosa. It just reminding me that this is right in our backyard and we should celebrate it and enjoy it. And Absolutely. I know we have switched over to it completely uh, at, our, at our pizza restaurants. Right. So.
2: Wow. Well, he good. went deep and they had an Italian cheesemaker with him for two years when they were building the creamery, so... That family is committed to doing it right and treating the cows really well. And treating
0: the cows really well. All right. When we come back, it's rainbow time. Whether that's Ruby Chard or Rainbow Chard, we're going to talk about it on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. All right. We're back in the kitchen at the Hot Stove Society, downtown Seattle. You know, if you want to, you can watch us on YouTube every Friday morning from 9 to 11 when we take the show. Uh, go to Tom Douglas, what is it, Pamela? And Company. Tom Douglas YouTube and Company.
2: Com forward slash Tom Douglas and Company.
0: And what we really love for you to do, it doesn't cost a penny, is to become a subscriber yes. so that we can maintain our URL on the on the radio. And, Terry, you're going to post it on your site, too, at some point, Eventually,
1: I'm going to, yeah, once I find a technician that can help me do this stuff, I'll um, put it on my YouTube channel as well. You know, our producer here, Sean, uh, our
0: our electronic producer. The very
1: capable individual, yes. He can help you. Definitely (laughs) talk to him. He can help you. I keep forgetting we have in-house capabilities.
0: (laughs) So, once again, the other night, I was making chard here for one of the classes. I I teach quite a few of the classes around here. And, uh, once again, uh, I was taking the leaves off the chard and getting ready to saute them. But then I took the stems and I chopped the stems and the whole room goes quiet because everyone's used to throwing the stems in the compost bin. And it's a little bit like my asparagus rant.
1: It's good for your compost. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit like my asparagus rant where people have been uh, kind of taught to break it and where it breaks is where it's tender. And it's yeah, such yeah. nonsense, right? Correct. Where it breaks is where... It's, there's no more stringy stuff on the outside of the stem, and so you end up throwing quarter, a third of your asparagus away that you just paid $5 a pound for, and with, because if you'd just taken a peeler and peeled off a little bit of that kind of stemmy stuff on the outside of the asparagus, it's perfectly delicious. No, exactly. It tastes like asparagus, oddly, yeah. and it eats like asparagus. So same with chard. Those big stems, whether it's ruby chard or the red, uh, the rainbow chard, just take those stems, trim off the very bottom of the end, you know, the, pick, the, the cut end, trim off a quarter inch, right? Yeah. The rest, just cut at an angle, and then uh, I like to just throw them in the oven. I'll sauté them in olive oil, salt, and pepper and throw them in the oven. And then um, when I'm when those are done in, say, 10 minutes, now it only takes a minute or two to cook the top parts, the leaves, and sauté those with, again, olive oil, salt, and butter. My new favorite is our taco Seasoning on them because you know I used it this week. It's really citrusy and has that little backup of some mild chilies. Uh, I just think it's a great little uh, greens enhancer.
1: I uh, recommend it on roasted broccoli. As a matter of fact, oh, I did that this week. Green, it was delicious, yeah, Perfect. super delicious, good. But uh, I'm the same. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. Except I, I don't do use uh, two different pan. I use the same pan. I start cooking the stem first mm-hmm. in butter, slowly covered. And I, so it braises very slowly, and then when they are starting to be a little bit tender, I throw in the leaves and toss the whole thing together. One thing that I always recommend to people is if you're going to use green of beets or greens of kale or whatever, any kind of leafy green, I usually recommend to take your knife first and then cut your leaves so they're not so cumbersome when you're cooking it because it's a major pain in the patootie if you're cooking.
0: In a, What's even a patootie, in a, chef? Is that a French term?
1: Yes. Oh. It's... To be PC.
0: <laughs> Patootie.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. Anyway, um, anyway. so you put your, your uh, leaves in, in your pan. and It's always cumbersome if you don't uh, pre-cut them
0: first, slice them. You know, just drive your chef's knife through. I think there's two reasons to slice them. One is if you're sautéing, you know, like when you pull that, the leaves off the stem, you end up with this long piece, like two long pieces, Correct. right? And when you try to eat it, after it's been sauteed, when you try to eat that, you end up at the table of like slurping it up, well, That's right? the other problem. And it's, it's stringy and gross. Yeah. You want to kind of cut those so that when they they, they cook, they're on a fork-sized bite. Correct. Yeah. You know, And that's, that's true for
1: everything you do in cooking. It's one thing that chefs learn that many home cooks don't know very well about is to size your food correctly so then it cooks better, it's easier to eat, it's not so cumbersome. Just like people who make sandwiches, one of my favorite quick story with Tom Douglas about, I don't know, 25 years ago at Dahlia Lunch. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Lunchtime, Tom says, let's go have a little bite at Dahlia. So this is the old Dahlia. And uh, we sit down, S- special of the day, sandwich. I forgot what kind of sandwich. <coughs> the sandwich come, <laughs> I swear to God, it was at least six, seven inches tall. <laughs> and Tom looks at that and go, what the... <laughs> so we stand up and we go to the kitchen, That was Sandstrom and uh, Uh uh, Holly. (laughs) Anyway, he goes, try to eat that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you go in those places sometimes and they give you something to eat that's like, looks like a.
0: Well, like if you're at uh, Katz's Deli in Manhattan, that's one thing, right? But if you're in a nice sit down restaurant in a suit and tie. You know, when I
1: was at Katz last time, I took two thirds of the meat off my sandwich Uh, so I could actually eat the sandwich. But that's their
0: shtick. No, no, and I get it. Yeah.
1: But my point is, you know, this is the same thing at home. When you do something, try to think of the end product. So, yeah, your mouth is only so big. you know. know.
0: I had that happen to me at Lola the other day. I had to go back and tell them to make the meatballs in our little meatball soup smaller because I had to try and cut a meatball in the middle of a hot bowl of soup. It's like you can't do it. Yeah. So, anyway, back to chard. Um, My favorite thing these days, I love spinach. I love these kind of leafy greens, right? So, Jackie, my wife, has been making a chard... Feta. Spinach salad? No, the pie. With the um, What's the pastry, the Greek pastry that I'm forgetting? Oh, phyllo. Phyllo. Phyllo pie. And I love the texture of the chard in there, right? Because the chard is cooked and then it's drained. Right. And so it's almost velvety compared to spinach, which gets a little bit slimy. Right, right. Uh, the chard stays velvety and the chunks of stem in there a nice bite and it's an entree when you add feta cheese in oh, there yeah, and, yeah, yeah. uh the seasoning and stuff uh, with it's all like a quiche a little bit like a quiche yeah, yeah. it's like a Without full meal i mean seriously you have yeah. that it's a
1: full meal for sure
0: that's and, a good way to use chard right and it's an area where kale doesn't really work because kale stays a little, a little bit too rough right after, when it's yeah, been,
1: kale yeah. never it goes one way or the other it either has roughness or it's completely and once it's completely cooked like they do it in the south Sometimes you find kale that's like completely like,
0: yeah, cooked to death. It's gross. You say a lot of that in the south with greens, collard greens, yeah, kales.
1: It's hardly recognizable yeah. as a collard. But um, anyway, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of beet greens and beets in general. Um, we pulled the last one last week out of the garden, and uh, cooked those the greens, the top and the uh, stem, and then.
0: Chef, st- we're talking about chard here.
1: I know, yeah. but I'm talking about chard and beets and. All those vegetables are coming out of the ground now. What can't you do with chard that you wouldn't do with beet greens? Either one can be
0: sautéed.
1: I think, I think the but, same thing. I mean, one, you know, it's the same thing. You can do a nice chard gratin, mm-hmm. of course. You know, you always so tell me, mock tell me making gratin. That. But talking about using the stem, this is where I would use all the stem. Mm-hmm. And you actually want them to be actually a bit wider, because you know, it would take forever to use that many small stems.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but if you have chard green, that are, you know, with the stem about an inch wide, you just cut those stems and then you put them you put them in a pan, cook them a little bit. I like to cook them a little bit ahead of time and then put them all in a pan with layers of beet stems, cheese, beet green, cheese. Chard, you're talking chard, right? Chard, sorry. <laughs> I get confused between the beet green and the chard, but you get the point. Is I'm trying to do it with, you can do it with either or, but with the, the chard, it makes a wonderful gratin then, if you want and get fancy on me, you put. So, are you taking your. Are you cooking
0: the chard first in your gratin? Like a you're sauteing bit. a little bit? I'm sautéing. And then, are you the adding stem. cream? What are you adding to it? Cheese. Cheese? Cream. What kind of cheese? Uh, no, like sorry. conte or something
1: like that? Yeah, like a conte or emmental. You know, something that has a little bite to it. And then seasoning. And then lay down the stems. And then cheese, leaves, st- uh, cheese, stem. So, you, you vary between steam and. Between uh, leaves and stems. Wow, I can't speak this morning. Um, cheese layered, and then bechamel on top. A little layer of bechamel, and you uh-huh. bake the whole thing in the oven. Finish with cheese, and then bake again under the broiler. And you have this wonderful little crusty gratin of beautiful greens.
0: Sounds delicious. You know, this is the year of Ramadan. Is from uh, April 2nd to May 1st. Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset. We're going to talk to a a young lady who's the owner of the Café Turco in Fremont about the foods that Muslims eat to break their fast. I know nothing about this topic. I have to read about it a little bit. When we come back on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. This year, uh, Ramadan is from April 2nd to May 1st, where Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset. And we're going to talk to Surya Gukari, owner of Cafe Turco in Fremont, about the foods that Muslims uh, like to eat when they break their fast. Good morning and good afternoon and whatever time it is in Fremont. (laughs) Fremont is the center of the universe. Of good, course. Good morning, Soraya. <laughs> good morning. So you you heard my question, I guess. Uh, tell us about yes, a little bit I about heard your question about Ramadan, yes. and then we can get into uh-huh. the foods.
3: First of all, I would like to tell you what Ramadan is. Ramadan is the name of the month, the ninth month in Islamic calendar. Islamic calendar is about lunar movement, lunar calendars. So it's normally compared to the calendar we follow in the United States. It's six days shorter. So Ramadan is the ninth month where Muslims are um, prescribed to the test, but they do this for a month, sometimes 29 days, uh, and it changes every year. So every 30, 35 years, it comes to the same time. Sometimes people say, oh, last summer you were fasting." Now you are fasting in the fall? Yes, because the Ramadan time changes every year by six days. So Ramadan uh, basically fasting from sunrise to sunset. So since the time changes, sunrise time changes and sunset time changes every day, it becomes either two, three minutes later or two or three minutes earlier. But it's basically not eating, drinking. Smoking, uh, any putting in anything in your mouth during the whole month until uh, sunset, which is uh, close to close to eighteen twenty hours a day. There are times we eat, uh, which is after sunset until downtime, and we are supposed to wake up before the sun rises and eat light things, and then go to bed or stay up go to work, whatever, and uh, this whole thing uh, makes Ramadan a very special time for Muslims. So there are 1.8 million billion Muslims in the world, and everybody looks forward to this month. This month does not just come by itself. There are two other months that come before Ramadan that make you prepare yourself for Ramadan, for fasting. So you know Ramadan is coming up two months before Ramadan. And then you start making plans about your life, about how you will be fasting, about how you will spend your money for charity and helping other people. So it's basically a preparation month. And tomorrow we will be fasting and hopefully we will be applying everything we decided to do in our lives in our life uh, within a month, and following Ramadan, we will have three days of holiday, and in these three days, uh, we will have uh, visitors, we will visit people, hopefully we will live Ramadan fully at the end of the whole month. So if uh, the the Ramadan basically is about self-control over worldly desires, and surrender to God, And many people just prepare themselves about uh, how to self-control. It's not just about not eating. It's not, it's about controlling your eyes, your ear, your tongue, not to say bad words to each other, be tolerant, understanding, uh, having some spiritual awareness, following some self-discipline and how you can understand and empathize with those in poverty and hunger, improve your patience. It's all about purifying your body, heart, and soul, and just giving. Mm -hmm. This is the month of giving. This is the month of um, caring for each other and um, surrendering to God.
0: Well, that is a a lot to do. (laughs) That's very uh, uh,
1: spiritual and that's very cool.
0: So have you found, Surya, have you found things that uh, kind of get you through the day that you have for breakfast? And then how do you like to break your fast?
3: How do I like to break my fast?
0: Well, how do you start the this day? That's a good Think question
3: that, because we have a, we have, a, how do I start a day? Muslims are supposed to, supposed to fast five times a day. And the first, uh, I'm sorry, supposed to uh, pray five times a day. The first prayer is, is before sunrise. So normally I get up before sunrise, half an hour or 45 minutes before sunrise and I prepare food for my children. I have two sons for my family, and um, um, and I uh, we eat together. 10 minutes before the sun uh, dawn ends, sun rises, we stop eating and drinking, and I go and pray. We, as a family we pray and then if it's too early summertime, we go to bed if not we get ready and go to work or you know do our usual stuff in the morning. We don't have breakfast. but when it's time to break the fast, normally no Muslim family will break the fast alone. They will either go to neighbors or community or friends somebody, family, just whatever. Is there a traditional meal
0: that you use to break the fast? Yes.
3: First of all, we we have dates and milk and soup. Always. At every family's table, there is some kind of soup and dates. And after we eat uh, the dates and have the soup, we are supposed to go and pray, which takes about 10 minutes the most, and then come back. That 10 minutes gives you extra time for your body to adjust the sugar level, uh, increasing sugar level all of a sudden. And then you sit sit down and eat your favorite food. Since it's a 30-day event, and, uh, you know, my kids have favorite meals, everybody has favorite items that they put on the table, multiple things, and you just share your food. You send some to neighbors, you send some to friends, and they send some to your house, or in America, we go to mosques. Before COVID, every single mosque would offer the iftar food, which is fast-breaking food uh, for the people around, but it's not been done in the last two years. Hopefully, they are starting this year again. You know, if you are on the street someplace, you don't have anything to eat, or you want to meet with your neighborhood people, Muslim families, you go to your neighborhood mosque, and they will feed you over there.
0: So, Kamiya, before we run out of time, we only have about a minute and a half left, let's talk about your okay. restaurant, Cafe Turco in Fremont, uh, and uh, how people, what people love there, what you love to make there.
3: Um, I started my restaurant as a cafe. It was a beautiful uh place Fremont of course and we have rich menu of Turkish uh, food and a beautiful atmosphere beautiful decor and since we started business Fremont uh, took us really well and we really love to serve the community as a place where they can gather and eat and be happy and we want people to feel like they are in the Middle East other than are place in seattle
0: mm-hmm. so fun turco uh i have not been there yet one of our audience members just uh, melted when she thought about your moussaka
3: because <laughs> she loves us
0: she loves love
3: it. love makes things positive and it is good what, moussaka but soraya
1: yes. I'm, I'm curious because i haven't been and i want to go what other dishes can i expect to see on the menu
3: uh, we have Alina Nazik. is my childhood dish. Every time I serve that dish, every time the plate is in my hand or I am preparing that dish, it takes me to my childhood when I was in elementary school. My mom made it put in front of me. It's basically grilled chicken, lamb or vegetables, and uh, grilled eggplant and yogurt and garlic dish. served warm. With salad and Turkish wedding rice, which is yellow rice with uh, carrots and dill,
0: nice hmm. sounds nice and fresh. I sounds love it. So delicious! So, if you want to go out and see Surya at um, her restaurant Turco in Fremont, I would suggest you do it soon. It's going to be uh, very popular. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're on our show, you get very popular. Thank you so much for your time, Saria.
3: Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for taking time and listening to me. And Ramadan is very special for us. We would love if you guys can come and observe Muslims breaking their facts. Because starting tomorrow night, every night after 7.30, we will have tons of customers eating at the same time, which will be a really big challenge for us.
0: Yes, I'm sure it will be. Well, happy Ramadan. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you very, very much.
0: Bye-bye. All right. Uh, when we come back, it's Shashuka time at Lola and how we're seeing recipes for this all over the country. On Cairo, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. <laughs> Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo. Uh, we are going to uh, chat for a few minutes uh, about Sha- sashuka. Yep. Yeah. Which is uh, one of uh, your favorite things. Oh, I love that. I love it. I I haven't had it very often, honestly, uh, so I don't have a a breadth of experience with it to know which is a good one, which is a bad one. I just know when we were working on our recipe down here at Lola that I kept wanting more caramelization, and we were making it in these kind of uh, almost cast Cast iron iron. bands, and uh, we just weren't getting enough caramelization. So I said, turn the burner up. Just yeah, you always solve things that way. Turn the More burner up. Turn it up. <laughs> yeah. turn it up and be patient. And be Wait patient. till the Let pan is go. hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, Chef Terry uh, Shaksuka has uh, taken over the world. Uh, it's uh, I don't uh, honestly know its origins origins, but it's, I'm sure it comes from the Middle East.
1: Yeah, uh, Northern Africa, Middle mm-hmm. East. Yeah, the whole area down there. Yeah. And um, I think basic chachuca is onion, tomato, peppers. And then, of course, when I was a child, my favorite thing was to add two eggs on top of that. <laughs> this is what we oh, do yeah.
0: downstairs, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love that. Breaking that and cook it, cook the eggs, you know, bake the eggs slowly, not all the way. And then you crack that egg yolk and you mix the whole thing together with some nice little flatbread or whatever, or, or even some nice country bread. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. A good sashouka for breakfast is a beautiful breakfast.
0: So I relate it personally. At you know, my home back in Newark, Delaware, I relate it a little bit to uh, going to my neighbor's house, Mr. Joe, and he would make us tomato gravy. But his his tomato gravy was uh, like a literally a flour based, maybe a bacon or pork fat gravy that instead of cream or stock, it was made with tomato sauce, and so you thicken the tomato sauce with okay. green peppers, onions, the trilogy, basically. Sure. So it's very Creole in nature. And that's what I feel when I eat shakshuka is it feels very kind of New Orleans Creole-esque to me.
1: Yeah, I can, I can see that. There's just no thickener in it, which is, I mean, originally right. there's no flour. In well, it's it, just so a
0: reduction of the tomato paste, right. the to thickener, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and uh, I think basically it's a, it's a showcase of, uh, from the hot area of the world, it's a showcase of bell peppers and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. That's the main flavor of that ingredient, of, of the... Of the dish, now in and some, cumin part, and- some parts they had cumin and coriander. In some parts they had harissa. In some parts, you know, everybody has their own little variant to it mm-hmm. in terms of spicing. But the base of it is onion, tomato, and peppers, and then you can do whatever you want from that. I mean, you could literally put a piece of steak on it if you wanted to, right? If, if you wanted to. But I think, to me, the the quite es- it's a quite essential breakfast or lunch item, you know. And you could actually take the whole dish from the cast iron pan and put it right on top of a tartine, a toasted piece of country Italian bread or something like that, and serve that for, for lunch with a little salad on the side, mm-hmm. and you'd have a wonderful lunch. I mean, you don't, that wouldn't be extreme. You could put sausage on top. You could do so many things from the variants from that. <laughs>
0: and then you're looking at me like... No, I'm not. I was just thinking my favorite thing. I, I don't put sausage. I don't put steak. I, right. I'm really, very much an egg person on it. But I will say that I'm not... I mean, I like poached eggs in a funny way, but on that, I want some brown. So I'll cook my eggs separate from it. And I know that's not traditional at all, but I put some bacon fat and butter in a pan and fry those eggs to a crispy brown edge around the eggs on the uh, whites, you know. Still leave the yolks raw and then just put it right on top of my right my so so also, It's the same thing that you talked about, but right. it, you, you're adding some color to the eggs. So
1: also, originally, I think it's a meatless um, item, mm-hmm. you know, of a, of a dish. So there would obviously not be any bacon fat in there but um, yeah I mean it's the same concept and then fresh herbs you know if you have basil in your backyard or if you have fresh chive like right now my chives are crazy you know, going nuts and gorgeous gorgeous young tender chive I mean, you take a whole bunch of that chop it and put it all over your your eggs on top of your sachuca. Uh <laughs> yeah I, I've, I've had that I would love that for breakfast right now right now yeah that
0: would be a well, you turned down – you know, we had a breakfast this morning here in the studio of uh, either granola with uh, – was, how was the granola with good fruit, good yogurt? Or we had uh, the Lola, the famous Lola pancakes with the famous Lola maple pork sausage. And you turned down both of those. But Do I look like I need a saying, pancake, sir? <laughs>
1: I mean, literally. I am a pancake.
0: <laughs> so, is there, uh, So it always – so typically for us, how we make this is – we have the cast iron. We get it nice and hot. We sear the peppers and onions, and then we add the crushed tomatoes. Correct. So to me, it's not just tomato sauce; it's kind of like crushed tomatoes. So there's there's some pulp in there. Correct. Right. So, uh, and then we just simply let that zip up. I mean, I, I we add garlic to ours. I don't know if that's tra- traditional or not. I think that's a nut on. We also that, use fine. the harissa, but we use the rose harissa, and I, I love the rose harissa. It's made with rose hips. Uh, because it adds a, just a beautiful fragrance to the dish that straight-up parisa. Well, straight-up parisa, you get preserved lemon and cumin and garlic and peppers or pepper paste. Uh, with the rose parisa, you really get an, an aromat right. to it. So, And uh, if
1: you have none of the above, you just add what? What do you normally have, your hot sauce in your in your refrigerator than you always have and you add? The spicy chili crisp? <laughs> <laughs> you put spicy chili crisp on top of those two eggs you'll have a wonderful dish on your hands. Now,
0: there's a mix of cultures right there. That's, exactly.
1: Yeah. The point is that uh, I think the base of it is understood, and then the rest is becoming a vessel to just, you know, just you can add on to what you want. depends on your breakfast um, idea. I mean, you could literally take the vegetable before you put the eggs, put some breadcrumb, and then put it in the oven and bake it and have a nice little crispiness on top. Put your eggs right on top of that.
0: Mm. That would be good, too. The other place that this dish really works well is, in, in my mind, is at a, on a campfire. Oh, yeah. Like if you're out camping or something. Because I think the little wood smoke from the campfire that you pick oh, yeah. up is something with this particular dish, right? The cast iron, the hot sear. Um, perfect perfect for
1: camping, for sure.
0: The biggest thing there is you take your toast and you do that over the fire, too. Mm-hmm. toast just sucks up the smoke from a campfire, from any sort of wood fire. So, yeah. Uh, and it, it, you don't even... I mean, the dish itself doesn't even need to be smoky because your toast is smoky. Pam,
1: have you ever had saksuga?
2: Yes, and the the reason I was attracted to talking about it today is because I've started to see many more green variations, and it's unusual for me to turn away from anything that's based in peppers because I'm a pepper enthusiast. Uh Uh, But now um, I'm seeing... Uh, Versions of shashuka on uh, leafy greens more, garlicky greens and leeks still with the warm egg on top and the ability to sop up your crunchy bread. Mm -hmm. So I I just love the popularity of the combination of the vegetables and warm egg, but uh, demonstrating that there's a lot of possibilities with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you don't need a big steak. I mean, it really is filling, and it's really a meal. But it's
1: a a no-meat dish. No-meat, yeah. Yeah, it's a no-meat dish. No-meat. But you're right. You can do so many versions. I mean, especially in spring and summer, once you have all those vegetables, zucchini would be good. You know, when you have all those zucchini in your backyard, you had that, you know, sliced zucchini, quickly saute, put them into your saksuka after it's done, or, you know, just before you put the eggs on top, you'd have a wonderful dish. It would be almost like a ratatouille idea where you – Start putting eggplant and zucchini added to your shakshuka, but but originally it's a quick one-bam thing in the morning, that people make for breakfast or for lunch, and it's not a it's not a very complicated thing for the house. So,
0: well, I've done a one eighty on it. It's not something I would ever order. If you gave me a choice of a s- smoked salmon on rye toast, smoked salmon on rye toast, or something in the morning, I would have that a hundred times out of hundred over a shakshuka. And then when we put it on the menu here at Lola, I started falling in love with it. It's, uh, it's something that is now in but my But would repertoire. you have
1: it for breakfast now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I course. think it's a great breakfast item.
0: Start your day with vegetables. That's what I yeah. say. I will say that I do start my day with smoked salmon five days out of seven. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying.
1: Wait, I what happened to the salmon. sausage and the bacon? Oh, that's the other two days. That was t- this morning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, right now, Do we have time for this. Right now, if you go to Wild Salmon Fish Market over in the Fisherman's Terminal... They happen to have a beautiful, huge king salmon that's smoked and in chunks. Uh, and it's delicious. So I'll just say that. <laughs> okay, when we come back, it's time for hour number two. Stay with us for another hour. we got so many things, including Elizabeth Kenyon, from the old salt bagels to Manolin to the rupee bar. On Cairo, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. <laughs> Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, hour number two. I'm Terry Rottero, the chef in a hat. And I'm Tom Douglas. Uh, we're here in downtown Seattle at the beautiful Hotel Andra. Uh, second floor, If you go, if you see Lola on the corner, just go inside that building and come up to the second floor. And we are often full of excited guests here learning how to cook or enjoying each other's company uh in our next hour of course we're going to wrap it up with food for thought tasty trivia that's always a fun time can't get too much of that can you chef never enough i'm sorry we missed it last week but we're going to talk for a, a few minutes about weird crunchy breading things that are going on in our world that make me nuts and I'm not talking about hazelnuts. Uh, are they that using, I was going to say, are they using hazelnuts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there's a lot going on. And it's. I think it's just like a – I hope it's just a fad. A fad. For the first two segments of our last hour, we're going to talk with Elizabeth Kenyon, who's got some of the hottest restaurants here in Seattle and has been uh, going at this daily for quite a while now. From I remember going to Manolin in the first, I don't know, year or so of your opening, and we couldn't even get in then. Uh, but now you've got a couple other things, the Ruby Bar and Old Salt Bagels to add to your mix. So uh, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks for having
0: me, guys. Absolutely. Thanks. Come right up to that microphone, Elizabeth. little oh, bit, no. Chef, uh, we're going to wait till the next segment to talk about Rupee, but sure. uh, tell us about what you brought us here this morning, these Old Salt Bagels and why you got into bagels and what makes yours the best in Seattle.
4: So um, we started Old Salt Fish and Bagels uh, when we had to shut down modeling for the pandemic. Uh-huh. Um we're trying to figure out what to do. We tried some lunch options and just nothing was really clicking. You know, Mondoline's a very sit-down, nice dinner. Um, and so we're just brainstorming and I, I remember I went down to the market one day and picked up some smoked fish and I was like, you know, we smoke fish over our wood fire girl all the time. Like why can't why can't we do something with smoked fish? We have we have the best fish in the country, I think. Um, you know, we use Northwest uh, bounty for all of our fish who's a local local guy. Um And he was also slower during the pandemic. He didn't have a lot going on, so um, I was like, "Well, what goes good with smoked fish? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it needs a vessel, you Uh know." And um, I'd never baked before, really, except for in culinary school. Um, And I started testing out some bagels, and it was just—it was a nightmare. I I was so bad at it, and just kept kept tweaking and talking to talking to a lot of people, um, and getting you know, I, I have a. You know some close close friends that are bakers, and um, just kind of started building this this restaurant pretty much. And we were only going to do it through um, 2020 in the winter until we could reopen Monoline. And it just it really took off. Mm-hmm. Um, and people love it, and we love it, and we were able to keep on all of our staff, um, which was which is ultimately the goal at the end of the day mm-hmm. for for me especially. Um, and so it was uh, it was really really fun, and it's blown up into into something that we didn't expect and awesome? And, yeah awesome have, you, have have
0: you have a baker's heart right next to you there <laughs> sea wolf bakery is right next to you yeah yeah Natalie. no absolutely so, yeah. and those
4: guys also like I turned to those guys a lot and they were they were super helpful and um, so it's been it's been a it's been a process it's been an experience um, but you know we have we have a fantastic staff with us um, and we've kept kept people on for a long time and it's also really fun. Yeah, you know we smoke a ton of fish. We smoke so much fish, <laughs> and um, you know make bagels every day, fresh every day. Um, you know Thursday, Thursday through Sunday right now, and then we'll we'll expand it as as we can.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so you go you go home. Your clothes are like all smoked out.
4: I'm all smoked out. <laughs> uh,
0: so tell us what makes a great bagel. Like there's a lot of bagels around our town from El Tana, which is yeah. like a Montreal style bagel. There's uh, the new Rubenstein's uh, or Steins, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, Doing really good. It's a good hard chewy bagel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, blazing. There's there's all sorts of bagels. What makes yours uh, as good or better or different?
4: You know, and that's the thing. There's like for some reason, like we came into the middle of this like bagel epidemic. You uh-huh. know, it's, it was insane. And there's there's so many bagels across the city, but they're all so different. And I I love to see what everybody's doing. Everyone's different. Um, and for us, like. What I wanted out of our bagel wasn't wasn't a traditional Montreal bagel, wasn't a tra- traditional New York bagel. Um, so ours are a little bit softer, with more of a crust on the outside. And then um, we also do an egg wash on ours, just to get that extra sheen. Um, we use the barley malt to have more sheen on that. And then um, it's you know we add add quite a bit of salt and, and sugar and and stuff to our boil. Um, and you know we just kind of kept kept tweaking it. Um, you know our biggest thing was uh, you know the temperature on the on the boil, like it has to be, you know, the certain temperature to get the, get the correct, you know, fluff that we want, you know? And, um, you know, we're using shepherd's grain flour. Um, it's, it's really good flour. Um, and that's, that's that, you know, I Mm. think, um, you know, we're using a deck oven right now. It's just like an old crappy, you know, deck oven that's like cracked and, (laughs) you (laughs) know, but like, it works great. It works fine. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we put cornmeal on the bottom and, and that's, that's that, you know. It's this really simple, um, and it's just little tweaks that we made along the way that became our bagel, right? Um, you know, and there's so many steps and so many touches in the process of making bagels that um, you know everyone does it differently. It's the, more uh, like
1: it's it's to me it's like bread. Your your bagel yep. is more like a bread. I mean, exactly. Like a New York bagel is very dense, mm-hmm. very. It doesn't have the fluffiness that you have on your on mm-hmm. your. Your reminds me more of a bread.
4: Yeah, and so that's kind of what we wanted because, you know, we're making these these sandwiches. We're making these smoked fish sandwiches, and I didn't want something that was going to be super dense and chewy to where you couldn't bite into the sandwich, you know? Right. Um, and, like, our biggest thing with the bagels, like, don't get me wrong, the bagels are great. They're wonderful, but our main focus is our smoked fish. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, just something easy to eat with some with some fish and kind of take, like, the – Take the back.
1: It would do great on the grill, I think, on the barbecue. Like if you were turning yeah. on your barbecue and have those bagels around, throw them on there and give it a nice little char. On the, cut them Absolutely. in half. Put it on the grill and give it a nice char. That would yeah. definitely help with the smoked salmon. It would yeah.
2: be like... But it was the first bagel I ever had that I, I thought, I'm so glad I didn't get it toasted mm-hmm. because the texture of it is so satisfying. Yeah. And perfect, and I it was like
4: yeah, and that's that that was our main thing too. Like our tastings was you know we would toast them, we would toast them longer. We wouldn't toast them, and our consensus was you know, you know I don't want a toasted bagel, and yeah. I'm not going to offer a bagel, but we will. We have a little home toasters. I love a toasted bagel. <laughs> yeah, we have know, a little we have little, little home so toasters. Good. They uh, take a lot longer, but you know you can you can wait a little bit longer if you want a toasted bagel. Well, you were standing over
0: there when I was louding the the that I ran into a, this beautiful. King salmon over at the wild salmon fish market because in their particular case uh, it changes every week depending on what fish they get in. they happen to have this beautiful king uh, smoke. but your your smoked fish is delicious too so yeah just, we love wild salmon say. but that's more <laughs> that's more kippered right and this is this is more locks so
4: we have locks um, we have locks it's a traditional lox. Mm-hmm. and then we have we do have a kippered salmon which we use uh, we actually use a chum or a kita um, which is a like lower, It's not, not as popular uh, uh-huh. as the salmon. Um, so we're using up a lot of the bycatch in that area. And then we also have a smoked, uh, a lightly smoked black cod. It's on a cold smoke. We put some cayenne on there and uh, brine it with salt. Yeah,
0: all delicious. When we come back, let's uh, jump into um, a rupee Bar and what's going on over there and how it's, uh, in my mind, changed the way uh, a lot of people dine. In, on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society show at <laughs> 97.3 FM. And we're back on Cairo Radio. Tom Douglas, Terry Rotter, all the chef in the hat. Uh, we are joined by Elizabeth Kenyon of the Manolin Fame over there in Walmart. I'm going I'm I'm to make this right now. Gonna, there's Free Elizabeth's
2: with me. It's Fremont. There's Free heading out to Ballard, and now I've just
0: renamed the other side of Fremont, Walmont, and with Fremont in the center.
4: Your alternative problem. universe also, uh, dude problem. Problem. <laughs> your problem, <My> problem.
0: <laughs> elizabeth kenyon is here she is uh, one of the hottest restaurateurs in seattle and uh we're going to talk a little bit about the rupee bar but uh, pamela would like to know how you got into the business and uh, you have pop news, a little too. bit of your history
4: okay yeah totally um so i grew up in uh missoula montana Um, you know, not a lot of food comes from (laughs) Montana, (laughs) um, but I grew up in a cooking family. My, um, my grandmother cooked. um, you know, my mom's from Miami and learned a lot of cooking from my grandma and my mom. Um, my mom ran a catering business and I just kind of got into that, um, ended up going to culinary school at the New England Culinary Institute, uh, graduated from there. I've worked over, I've worked in, um, Portland, Atlanta, uh, Vermont, done a lot of stages in New York, uh, Italy, um, some cooking in Sri Lanka and in India. I did some stages over there. That brought me to Seattle, and I've been here ever since. I started with monoline, um and I have not left because I love it so much.
0: That's stopped even. <laughs> yeah,
4: I lo- yeah, I love my job. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much my history, there, guys.
2: It's
1: a great history. Thanks. Congratulations on your success.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Well, the concepts are just so pure and distinctive. That's what I love about your company. You know, each one uh, truly expands on what its core is. Its menu and the way it looks. It's just
4: you nailed yeah. it. I think. I think a lot of people don't don't realize that we're all we're all connected. You know. Um, you know, the the owners, uh, you know, Joe, Pat and and Rachel, um, you know, they had they had these visions and um you know, we, we just made them made them come to life and um they're all very different. They're all they're all their own thing and um it's been it's been really fun to be able to work on different projects and get, get inspiration from a lot of different different areas. So
0: very cool. So how would you classify Madeline?
4: I guess you know we we focus on a lot of like coastal cuisine i Mm -hmm. would say um so there's a lot of acid um very bright flavors very fresh very fish focused Mm -hmm. um you know we cook a lot of things on our wood fire grill you know we're starting to do uh dinners there we're starting to uh spirits dinners so um this this actually this sunday we're doing our first uh rum dinner with a 10 to 1 rum and um yeah it's really good and so like very very uh Like coastal, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Latin influence, a lot of Peruvian influence, and then, you know, it can it's pretty much anything that you think about when you're like I'm on a beach and I want to
0: eat some food, you know, sardine on a stick, mackerel on a stick, exactly, yeah, Yeah. yeah. and like the the
4: cocktails, yeah, ceviches, the cocktails are fantastic. They're really fruity, Um, they're really fun. The vibes fun. The music's loud. Um, It's a huge open kitchen. I mean, it's not huge. It's a small open kitchen, but it's very very open. Um, so it's really fun when you walk in there at like seven or eight at night, and it's just it's popping off, and people are having a good time. Yep. And
0: and you got a great outdoors there too.
4: Yeah, great outdoors. Um,
0: so then let's move on to Ruby Bar, which has been yeah. open for what three years now?
4: No, two? two and a half. We opened, I think it was six months before the pandemic. Um right. So we got a short run, <laughs> and then the pandemic happened, and we had to switch everything around, and we started doing takeout food, and um, and now it's back. Back to the original routine. You were one
0: of the busiest takeout places there was. It seemed like to me.
4: It was busy, and yeah, we weren't really totally set up for that. You know, yeah. we've never, we <laughs> don't, I don't think we anybody don't do was. Food. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> and like we've we've I never s- done takeout food before. Like if people come in, I was and actually like, I, ag- want I was actually food.
1: against takeout food for most of my life until the <laughs> pandemic came, and I was like, I guess we have no choice. Uh-huh. We had no. Now choice. Now we're against the wall. You know, it's like it's either you close or you keep going with to go. Exactly, know? Like-
4: exactly. And that's the thing. Like we, you know, we closed for. You know, to kind of you know reassess, and we reopen, and we just we just just got to keep going. So, Rupee um, Bar
0: is over on twenty fourth and sixty, 60
4: third, right next to Olaf's.
0: Yeah, yeah everyone knows Olaf. <laughs> everyone knows yeah. Sometimes,
4: it's, sometimes it's actually
1: you don't almost leaving. across the street from Copine. <laughs> yeah.
4: yep, yep. Kitty corner from The from, block, Copin. The block
1: from Coping, yeah.
4: yeah, they're they're fantastic. They're great yeah. neighbors. They're. Yeah. We go
0: so to what I said there. earlier, and when I was talking about you coming on, was that I feel like Rupee Bar helped people be okay with small menus of delicious food in small quantities where you and i know tapas bars and things like that have been doing that for a long time but for some reason it felt different in there to me and i i, I was inspired by that um the ability to kind of sit there drink cocktails have a nice glass of wine and have a really varied palette of food mm-hmm. from an area that i'm not familiar with at all so
4: yeah so i think that was our main like one of the main focuses was to have a a different dining experience. um you know, traveling around uh, Sri Lanka and South India, it was you know, you sit down and things just start hitting the table. and like i I like to have people panic a little bit. <laughs> you know like I mean you start you just kind of start throwing well, out it's food. nice
1: to have people scared when you're in charge.
4: <laughs> no, it's kind of fun it's funny to watch it. and then they then they settle into it. it's like, oh, I should eat. Everything, like, however I want to. There's, It's not coursed out. We, we will do a coursed out if you, if you really want it. But we wanted to have a really fun, fast dining experience. Not fast in the way of, like, we're hurrying you out of there, but, like, things hit and you just start eating all these different things together and you make... It's pretty much like choose your own adventure. Yeah. And that's like my favorite style of eating. Um,
0: like dim sum or, you know, in a, in yeah. a funny way, yeah.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm designing the menu to, um, to be... Some of it, some of it's a little bit more subtle, and then a lot of it's just like a punch in the face, you mm-hmm. know. When when like you were talking about the mutton rolls earlier, yeah. and um, you know, th- when I'm having the cooks taste it, I'm just like, you you want to taste this, and you you want it to like whack you in the face, you know. So yeah, really fun, really yeah, fun. I the, mean, co- the cocktail program also, like, I think we have we have one of the best best bars.
1: Those guys are definitely on top of their game now.
4: Yes, yes, they're. And a couple of cocktails
1: that were delicious. We actually. All three of us had different cocktails and yep. they were all fantastic so.
4: Awesome. Yeah. Really
1: really good. Yeah. My, my Taj Mahal which I'm a gin drinker so was really awesome. delicious and
4: Yeah, everyone works works very hard across all of our restaurants.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's nice to see a a team of people who are all on the same tune. Yes. And they all, you know, the server was super super good, very nice, very helpful. Awesome. So, great experience overall and congratulations and the place looks very cool and very it feels very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like you're in a brand new, uh, you know, modern Tiny restaurant 30 or thirty
4: seat place. Yeah, and uh, Joe, Joe, Pat, and uh, Rachel, and and some of the other people there, we we built all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that you touch in there is is built by the owners. Um, you know, from the bar top to the uh, to the banquettes that you sit on. Um, you know, those are from Joe's old church, and um, you know, everything is is done done by. By
2: well, us, congratulations! Thank you. Well, the first time I went to Manoline, now I have to correct the way I say it. I know say I it. says
4: Manoline, and that's fine. Manoline, it's Manoline. <laughs> it's monoline, yeah,
2: Manoline. <laughs> uh, it was in the early days, and whoever was waiting on us, maybe one of the owners said, because the blue tile work just mm-hmm. catches your eyes. I'm like, who did that? That's it's in the bathroom at <laughs> too. Yeah. And they, we said, we, they said some leftover. He said, well, we just watched a YouTube video on it. And then we YouTube put up video.
4: this
1: beautiful yep. tile wall.
0: Funny how that works. That's very cool. cool. Congratulations yeah. for being Thank so creative.
4: Thanks for having me. We're
0: going to jump right from the deliciousness that is uh, monoline and uh, the Rookie <laughs> Bar <laughs> and Old <O'Sull> Salt <laughs> Bagels to... Uh, What is it with those crumbs? Cheetos, Uh breadcrumbs? (laughs) OMG. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show. 97. (laughs) 3FM. We hope you're up for a crummy time here at the Hot Stove Society. It's the (laughs) the Hot Stove Society Kitchen here on Cairo Radio. My name's Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Roturo, the chef in the hat. Chef in the chapeau. That's right. You're looking fine today, Chef. Hey, so are you? Yeah, Look at you so in your suit over there. I'm in my velour sweat outfit.
2: Classy. Velour.
0: <laughs> Classy. You need I, the gold change. Early. I was here early to get changed before my eight o'clock or my eight ten meeting. I have an eight ten meeting on Fridays and then till the radio show and then I. But I got called into duty at the bar at the Dahlia Bakery this morning. We had a no-show server. I went in there and there were about how many people were in line at that point maybe 15 or 20 years. A lot. A good sign for business. And Molly, our manager there, was just looked at me and I could just see in her eyes she was like she terror. Just looked at me. No, not terror. She was totally in control. Uh, she's been there before. She's been yeah. there for a long time. Yeah,
2: 2 days ago. She
0: knows how to pace it and but uh, I said could you use a hand and she just said if you have time that would be fabulous.
2: <laughs> just really simply. <laughs>
0: You know, just, just yeah, like when they that.
1: say that commentate like that, you know you need to step in.
0: <laughs> well, not just step in, but it was it's so sweet to see somebody who's getting their butt kicked. Yeah. Just keep their calm. Just do what you can do, right? And uh, try to make it the best for each guest that we have. Wasn't so, long after that, Eric showed up to make coffees, and I went to my meeting and all that sort of thing. I'm, I'm just trying to waste time here because we're going into a subject that Pamela is, is very interested in, and... Um, and we want to find out why you latched on to this. This just doesn't seem like you. Although I do know a secret passion of yours is Cheetos. You like why Cheetos? Why did you have to tell them? You, you like se- Cheetos? This is the woman who believes in a rainbow plate on every meal. like Carrots and broccoli and chard and beets. and. Do you make your own
2: Cheetos? Uh, I, I've, made, I've mastered cheese-its, but not Cheetos. Ah. So, um,
0: as, as you know, and uh, we were reading in uh, Food 52 the absolute best test, which is a little bit like our Hot Stove Society tasting panel, uh, all the crunchy, crispy coatings that they are talking about these days and things, the items that you actually make the coatings out of. And so uh, they, they took on saltines, Ritz crackers, fresh breadcrumbs, hallelujah, uh, potato chips. Yeah, glad it made the list. Potato chips. Cheez-Its. Panko. Rice flour, which I don't think enough people recognize how nice and crispy rice flour can be. Cornflake crumbs. and I don't see Doritos in here, but I'm sure Doritos. It's popular, yeah, too. Yeah, it's very popular. So, Chef, you, you've heard the list. I'm going to go through it one more time. No, no. I, Let's I, just I, say you're making chicken fingers, chicken tenders, which I know you like to make every Friday. <laughs> um, you have your choice. You know, of I know, the, I know the recipe. I've just never made it. <laughs> Saltine crackers, Ritz crackers, fresh bread crumbs, potato chips, Cheez Its. Have you ever had a Cheez It? No, I don't. That's oh okay. Oh my God, you're just such a sheltered man. I am a panko, sheltered man. Panko. Panko crumbs, which is basically white bread. Right. right? Uh, uh, rice flour, cornflake crumbs. Where are you headed when you're making? Chicken strips. There's only one place I made it. Has bread, bread. Crumbs. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Bread crumbs. Bread crumbs. Yes. Why? Well, panko is bread crumbs.
1: Yeah, uh, I think panko is as its moment. But uh, when I'm going to go deep frying for about 20 minutes on a piece of chicken, I think panko is not resistant enough to be taking that well. That mm-hmm. might take my experience with panko is it's nice to use it as a crumb. Um, you're deep wet, frying for fast crumbing for fast toasting. Or baking, but not for long term. And I think that when you do fried chicken, it takes a much longer. It needs something that's a little bit sturdier, which is why often people use a lot of flour on the chicken and everything and make this very heavy, crusty kind of surrounding. But um, I would say breadcrumb would be my my Mm go-to. And uh, toasted flour always. And I would definitely love rice flour because I think rice flour is different than regular flour. It's not as heavy. It's not on the palate especially. So rice flour and breadcrumb would be my two out of this whole list here. Uh, Did you say toasted flour? Yeah. So just hot Toasted pan. in a pan until it's totally golden brown. I learned that from a very big master chef named Tom Douglas. <laughs> a long time ago. Like Pro tip. Very big. Very big. Yeah. Very probably, big. Probably you can actually
0: buy toasted rice flour, but you can't really buy toasted you buy toasted flour? You can buy toasted rice flour.
1: You can't toast your own flour? You can.
0: I'm just saying it's a product Try harder. available out there. Man, people are so you're kind of lazy. skirting the issue a bit. I, 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 don't, I know we all know, like my favorite dredge, when you get into flour and things like that, you're talking about a dredge and not right. a coating so much. Right. My favorite dredge is a one part cornstarch, one part cornmeal, a fine cornmeal, to one part masa harina. Okay. Which is the Mexican corn flour, uh, the For, nixtamalized? So the corn. masa
1: arena brings the flavor, the brings corn the brings the texture,
0: yeah. And then the first one is what? Cornstarch brings the crispiness. Uh, crispy, crispy, yeah. Yeah. So that's my favorite dredge. But I'm trying to think how I would use the cheeses. Um, the only time I've ever used potato chips—know you how you use my it? My mom made you know the tuna casserole with potato chips on top or something like that, right? So, mm. yeah, exactly. Nice, but uh, from a crumb perspective. <laughs> I mean, you literally have to do something like fish and chips or you have to do something like chicken, like a fried chicken. So I, I'm, a, I'm at a loss. Yeah, me too. I think cornflake, you know, somebody mentioned corn, Is it in here? Yeah. Cornflake, the, yeah.
1: you know, on, on, a, on a cake, for example, or on a, you know, something like this, like a dessert, we with just toasted, not fried, not you know, just toasted. Uh-huh. I could see that as a crust because that, that would make a little sense. But... The others, I mean, like cheese it or whatever, I don't even know, you know, whatever. But uh, crackers, like, why would you want to use that to make a, I mean.
0: Well, here's the thing about that. Here's what you, I'll say about that. Yes. Which is down at Seatown Restaurant, yeah. I take uh, buckets of <laughs> Pepperidge Farm goldfish. Yes, I know. <laughs> and I saute them yes. in bacon fat, butter, and my, uh, one of my spice rubs. I'll, sometimes I use the peri-peri rub. Sometimes I use the crab cake uh, seasoning. Uh, and, and so, then, you, so what you're doing is you're making – That's not, that's not go, like a crust. You're though. going from ordinary to
1: extraordinary for the goldfish. Yes. That's
0: what you're doing. Yes, exactly.
1: But going to a breadcrumb, I mean to a crumb to make that – no. Well, there, I
0: mean the, the, I think the places that are getting away with it are like Taco Bell and you know, extraordinary restaurants like that.
2: The test was done all on chicken cutlets. Chicken so, cutlets, like
0: as in chicken milanese, <laughs> right? And, so yeah. they
2: were looking to the, some of these other um, breading's to add another like spice level. Uh huh. Um, and did they come to a conclusion? In this? breadcrumbs, <laughs> breadcrumbs.
1: <laughs> Hallelujah! Reinvent the wheel. Guess what? You come
0: back at the end. No, it's got to be round. Well, the most the most likely in that scenario, if you wanted to use up a cracker that you had, like the. Saltines would make a, a really fine breadcrumb if you crush them with a rolling pin. There's nothing there
1: to be. But You better fry fast because it's already baked. It's already crunchy. It's already got all this different texture. So if you're gonna fry that, uh-huh. you can't leave that in the fryer for 20 minutes. It would be burned.
0: You don't need to. Yeah. You, uh, it would be quick. These cutlets are, you know, they're a quarter inch thick at the most. True. Right. So you, they, you're they gonna don't put need- that on veal cutlet? Only cow. Yes, sir. Why not? I mean. People leave breadcrumbs in their home all the time for years in their in their cupboards, right? You progress so thing of breadcrumbs and all of a sudden you have a veal cutlet or a chicken cutlet or a pork cutlet and you go and you reach you know, you just spent what, ten or fifteen dollars a pound on this meat and then you go reach into a cabinet for herbs that are five years old and progressive breadcrumbs that are probably older. Uh, this, are you guys getting this message over case, there? Are you listeners
1: yeah. <laughs> the are you listening? So the point if is, you're if you're going to a dish
0: like that, don't go to your cabinet and use It's like using stale bread for your turkey stuffing. Exactly. I just it makes me crazy. No, exactly. You see it in millions of recipes. Well, use stale bread. No, you don't use stale bread. You don't it's use stale, fresh You use fresh bread, right? And toast it, but you don't use stale bread. Am we you. In the same way you don't use stale bread crumbs or anything else. Blah, 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 blah. But I'm, I must
1: say that um, it is definitely you know like a piece of fish with a little crumb on top is really delicious. But I would never use anything but breadcrumb for that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so one of our listeners wants to uh, email us with how you use one of these tragic um, <laughs> tragic items to the make. The
2: comment section was enormous.
0: Was it? So uh, Peter, yeah, yeah. I know it's just me. I'm just being it's a just cynical you. old chef. But uh, if you want to tell us your favorite way to use saltines, Ritz crackers. Potato chips, Cheez-Its, panko, <laughs> or cornflake crumbs on a dish, I would like to know. Okay. I want to be enlightened. Chef, is that cool? That is very cool. All no, right. uh, the problem
1: is we're going to have to do testing after that to make sure they're right. That's fine. Let's do it. When we come back, it's we time for Food for Thought,
0: Tasty Trivia. I know we haven't had quite enough for breakfast here this morning. <laughs> Old salt bagels. Uh, Food for Thought, Tasty Trivia, right here on the Hot Stove Society show, Cairo yeah. Radio, ninety seven three FM. Here we go. It's time for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia brought to you by Rub with Love Spice Blends, a family that has grown to now 19 different flavor profiles. We develop each one to complement a specific dish, but they're also able to be versatile and kind of move across genres. Uh, We make sauces, as in our Ancho Molasses barbecue sauce, and, of course, our delicious toasted shallot mustard. Really tasty, got to say. You can purchase uh, these Rub with Love Spices and see how... Seattle area markets including town and country metropolitan markets uh, Ballard I mean uh, Bartels just bought a bunch of uh, our our rubs to sell in their stores whole foods and then of course uh, we're across the country and the good food store in Missoula Montana, More Montana shout or out. sunny farms country store in Squim or of course you can go to TomDouglas.com. and you know a lot of stores carry our rubs but they don't carry all of our product right, right. So uh, down at the market at SeaTown Rub Shack we carry everything, and online. What a great out. way you, you come can to find pack, everything online. Come at, to Pike Place
1: Market, do your shopping, and finish at yeah, the, at the exactly. yeah the Rub Shack. The Rub Shack.
0: All right, uh, Pamela, will you tell folks how to play our game? Who's going to win the prize, and who is this imposter uh, <laughs> that is uh, <laughs> pretending to be a chef at our micro- microphone <laughs> over here? <laughs> The, each of the
2: three contestants is going to get five questions. And we have uh, convinced Dennis, one of our audience members, to be one of the contestants today. Look and, at those broad shoulders, <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> he's a chef in a bow tie. I like it. <laughs> chef with style. He's best dressed. And, he, uh, and he's going to win and he's going to be able to pick out three rubs to take with him as a prize nice. of his choice. And yes. the loser will deliver. <laughs> the loser will hand deliver. Cool. Let's start with you, Terry Rotero. Go right ahead. Question number one: How do you prepare fresh abalone, the gastropod mollusk? You take it out of the shell. Oh, you can. Leave, you take the muscle off the
1: mollusk. You keep it in the shell. You make a nice little compound butter with fresh herbs and everything. Put all this on top of the mollusk. Put it in the oven. Bake it fast, not too long. And
2: not too hot, and then let all that butter melt, and then serve it. Mm, that sounds delicious. <laughs> the food companion was looking for uh, a pounding stage. Oh yeah, you could oh, do that too. Depends <laughs> on the. <laughs> oh, okay, so hold on, hold
1: on, hold on. Depends on the size. Of, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Wrong. Depends Wrong. on the size of your mollusk. <laughs> the last time I had a bologna, they were
2: this big. Last time you had bologna, what? A bologna <laughs> number two. True or false? Asparagus is a member of the lily family. True. Yes. The flavor of butterscotch is a combination of what ingredients? Butter and scotch.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. Right. Butter and what would the sweetener be? Uh, brown sugar. Yeah. What is the French name for coffee with milk? Je ne sais pas. I don't know. <laughs> Café au lait. Yeah. Excellent. Mark Twain said, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. This elegant member of the cabbage family is composed of stalks and florets. What are the florets called? Florets
1: is not the name for it? What are the florets called? You do know the answer? I can't believe this is not florets. That's always what I call them all my life.
2: We think of it more in terms of cheese. It starts with a C.
1: Cheddar? Curd? Curd. Oh, the curd of the cauliflower? Yep, that's what the florets are that. called. Have you heard that? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe you in, didn't know that, In chef. translation of Tom's language, that means no.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, three out of five. Okay, Dennis. Oh. What country developed the unleavened bread chapati to scoop and uh, push their food around? Often, uh, a lot of times, it's pushing lentils around. Very big country.
0: Most populous country on earth. Turkey. Close.
2: Close. close. India. Dupland. No, <laughs> I was going to say that. India. Very close. I was actually going to say that, that first. Is that
0: Turkey
1: or is that India? Yeah. <laughs> if, oh. you hear, if you hate it's Turkey. If you
0: it's India. I was going to say, I, yeah.
2: <laughs> Number two, what is the traditional shape or cut of the meats in, and cheeses in a chef's salad? It's
0: like ice. No, it's not like ice. <laughs> like like a french chef fry. Chef's salad, chef yeah. Salad, how, yeah? Do they,
2: how do they cut the meats and cheeses? It's something like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cubes. No, something like this. In cubes. Close. That's the non-classy places. The classy places, julienned. Julian Julian <laughs> <laughs> Number 3
4: oh, What is it.
2: chorizo? It
4: is a sausage, a Mexican yes. sausage. Yay!
2: A Mexican ground sausage. Uh what? Number 4, what are two methods for making croutons? Uh jeez, I mean you can you can deep fry them, you can fry them, you can yep. make them. Yep. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Get two. Right, one more. Um what kind of bread is used in eggs benedict? Uh, traditional. Would
0: that be a um, um, English muffin?
2: Yes. Yes. Delicious. Ah, strong. strong. Three, Three out of five. What does, does
0: Lola use English using? English we make muffins? our own. Yes, you betcha. Delicious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mr. Douglas, what is fat
0: back? It's, it's, it's,
2: it's
0: it leads from my front to my rear.
2: Uh,
0: fat back is uh, fat from pork. Uh, can you
2: tell us how it differs um, from salt pork, though? Well, it's <laughs> salt pork is
0: the belly, and fat back is the back.
2: Yes, and it's fresh and unsalted and unsmoked as the defining characteristic. Okay. Should we give him that one? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, wow, that's tough. Um, <laughs> what is, is it fat from the pork or not? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, I think you get it. Number two, what is the name of the decorative technique of pressing a pattern into a pie crust.
0: Crimping. Are you talking about like the edge? Mm-hmm. You crimp the edge?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, crimping. No. <laughs> 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 to flute. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's it's, to flute. <laughs> Ooh, it's tough around here. Wow. It's tough. <laughs> Generally, what does the term giblets refer to? <laughs>
0: It's that package you get when you buy it. Generally, it's the innards of the
2: fowl. Okay, what? what, what the in heart, it? the liver, yep, the yes. gizzard. Correct. The neck. You know, Thank so you. Great. What is Gravlox? Gravlox
0: is a uh, cured fish, not smoked. Raw. You have smoked Gravlox, but it's just the raw cured fish.
2: And can you give us what the ingredients are in the cure? For a bonus point. Uh, typically, <laughs> dill is the big one, and yep. it comes from Nor- the Norwegian countries. Salt, sugar, and a dill mix. Yeah. Yeah, just what you said. Number five. <laughs> 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 She's tough uh, over there. Uh, what is the name of the fermented, pungent Korean vegetable condiment? Oh. Oh, it's a gimme. <laughs> you got the easy ones.
3: <sighs>
0: Oh, Kim G.
3: Yes.
0: Tom wins four points out of five. (laughs) Well, that was certainly exciting. Thank you, Dennis, for participating. (laughs) Thank you, Dennis. And for winning, you get to go pick out three rubs from our gift shop over here uh, to your. And I'll deliver them to you. If you want to be part of the show, you can join the community on your YouTube channel at Tom Douglas and Company backslash forward slash everything else. And look for the Hot Stove Society radio show or buy tickets to attend our tapings here uh, in person at hotstovesociety.com. We'll serve you breakfast. <laughs> You're listening to us on Cairo. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley, Sean McFadden, and our editor is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. And remember, if you miss any episode, Chef, I mean any episode, of our Hot Stove Society show on 97.3, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Happy Ramadan and have a wonderful
1: weekend.